Luke chapter 7, verse 36. You know, all this month, uh, we've been going through a series entitled The Heart of Worship, and, and God's been doing great things. Um, uh, Brother Manny opened it up and talked about the topic of humility in our, in our worship, uh, being, being, keeping a spirit of humility. And then uh, last week, Pastor Bob taught on emotion. Uh, so we looked into that, and, and tonight what we're going to look at is adoration, is adoring uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And what's beautiful about all this is we're, we're pulling all of this out of uh, this amazing, profound passage uh, that we're going to read here in just a moment. So uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 36, let's go ahead and read that, and then we're going to pray and believe God to help us this evening. Luke seven thirty-six. It says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. What an amazing invitation. So this Pharisee invited Jesus. Verse 37, when a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster uh, jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him a story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver, to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has uh, shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, now listen to this, church, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Praise God. Bow your head with me as we pray. Father, we're grateful this evening, God, for your grace. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the love and grace that you have over our lives, oh God. Father, you've been good to us, Lord God, day after day, God, despite our our sins, despite our shortcomings, Father God, despite our impatience, despite our selfishness, Father God, despite all these things that we wrestle with, my God, you've you've loved us, my God, your love has been long-suffering, my God, and we thank you for that. Lord, I pray tonight that you would speak to our hearts, Father, that we would walk out of here learning, Lord God, what it is to truly adore you, my God, because of your greatness and goodness to us. Have your way, God, and I lift up your people this evening, God, praying for strength, praying for your power, for your spirit to just speak tonight, convict our hearts, challenge our hearts, God, and change us, Father God. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you, we thank you. We ask in Jesus' name. And God's people say, 
Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now, a couple of points from this text, which are some points that have been uh, covered in some of our pre previous messages on this topic. Um, but the first thing that I want to point out is just as we, as we get ready to just dive into uh, what we're going to talk about tonight. But the Bible first says here that it says it was a certain immoral woman. The Bible didn't name her actual name. This story in this passage didn't call uh, her, her God-given name, but it said a certain immoral woman. Now, I believe this really ties into the fact of humility that Brother Manny talked about because uh, she wasn't even named, but she was, some, she was, she was someone in the story, but, but she wasn't named. Something that we have to always deal with regarding worship and adoration is keeping a spirit of humility. Now, she also went out of her way to see Jesus. She went out of her way. You know, sometimes we, we want to box God into a world of convenience, don't we? If something is going to, if God's asking us to do something and, it, and it, it's not within the realm of our convenience, sometimes we'll just throw it on the shelf and we'll say, we'll do that later. This woman went out of her way. She heard that Jesus was in town. She had her issues. She was an immoral woman. I believe that she had repented. That's why she sought, she sought after Jesus to thank him for his goodness. But nevertheless, she went out of her way. We're braving some rain here, right, this week. Uh, it's cold tonight. Again, there's other places uh, you could have been. You may have a, a, a long list of things that you have to get done before Friday. Uh, you may have, a, 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 you know, laundry to do. You got certain things to do tomorrow. But, but here you are, brother and sister. You came into the house of God tonight to spend some time in worshiping him and thanking him for all he's done for you. Praise God for that. Isn't that good news? You made a decision tonight. See, she went out of her way, and what an example that should be for us. If God is ever speaking to our hearts or convicting us or telling us to do something, many times it's not going to be convenient. But nevertheless, let's be obedient. And you're going to have to bear with me. I know my voice is a little rasped tonight, but God's going to help us this evening. We're doing okay. Now, Jesus even made mention of how the woman kept kissing his feet. Her humility was spilling over her, her love and adoration to Jesus. And during worship, brother and sister, we're able to adore our Lord and our Savior. Thank you, Jesus. So this evening, I want to look at the topic of adoration when it comes to worshiping the Lord. Now, the definition of adoration is deep love and respect. Deep love and respect. Now, husbands, I want to take you back a few years, uh, however many years it is, but if you remember the time frame of courting your beautiful bride, your beautiful wife, you understand what that word means, adoration, deep love and respect. You would, you would go out of your way. You would pursue and seek opportunities to, to, to bless her, to, to impress her, right? And that's something that, should never, that, that shouldn't just be categorized to the first years of marriage. It should be something that we always do, praise God. But, but we understand, and that's just a great example, we understand what it means to adore. It's something that, 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 that we put into practice that we want to we pursue to impress our loved one, our gift, our blessing. Adoration, deep love and respect. Now, if we're going to talk about adoring Jesus you know, he was, can you say amen on this? He was, he was so good to us before we were good to him. Isn't that true? Man, 
God was, was, was pursuing you. His Holy Spirit was working on your heart while, while he was the furthest thing from our minds. He had a plan. He was reaching out to you. He sent people your way. Perhaps you were locked up in a jail cell. He sent people to minister to you. Perhaps you were lost out there in the streets. He sent people to minister to you. Perhaps you were lost in, in self-righteousness and your own ability and all that you could do. He sent someone to minister to you, driven all by his Holy Spirit, by his love. If we're going to even spend a moment talking about adoration, we have to first proclaim and reflect on the fact that Jesus, he, had, he adored us way before we can even talk about adoring him. Can you say amen? Man, he reached out to us in the, in the muck, in the mire, in, in, our, in our sinful state, in the bad places that we were, wherever he found us, he adored us and does adore us. Now in Jeremiah 31.3, the Bible says this, Long ago the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. That's good news tonight, right? Thank you, Jesus. He says, I have loved you. Sometimes we get this picture of God because of our, our, our trespasses and our sins and our failures. We get this picture that God is just a judgmental God, and, and he is a God of truth. He's a God of purity and holiness and righteousness, yes. But he's a God of love. He's a God that desires to have a relationship with each and every one of us. There are those that, that are not here tonight because they have that, that notion in their mind that, that God is not happy with me, that I can't even walk into the house of God because he's not happy with me because I've done this or that. Look at some of the empty seats next to you. That seat is designated for that one person. And how much and how powerfully can God use our life to reach out to them, to, to let them know that, hey, all is not lost, that God still has a plan and a purpose for you. If there's still breath in your lungs, there's a plan and a purpose for you. We need to make those phone calls. We need to reach out and convince those peoples, those prodigals, that they need to come back to the house of God. Why? Because the Lord loves them. He adores us because he created us. He adores us because we're his precious, precious children. You know, I remember in high school, one of my neighbors uh, uh, back in the day, he, he had gotten a new truck, brand new truck, right? And I remember every single day, not once a week, not once a month, but every single day after school, what did I see him out there doing in, in, in the, the, the driveway? He was washing his truck. And it was a white truck, right? So he was washing each and every day he was washing. He adored that thing. I always remember that. He didn't want to get one speck of dirt on that thing. He adored his truck. See, adoration is something that we have to have in our lives and our hearts because God has given us so many reasons to adore him because of his goodness and his love to us. John 15, 13, the Bible says there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Man, church, everything that, that the Bible instructs us to do, everything that the Bible teaches us about devotion and, and, and adoration and commitment and faithfulness, Jesus already did it to us. Can you say amen? Man, he was all, he's already good to us. He, no greater love, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. That was Jesus. He laid his life down for us. Why? Because he adores us and he loves us. This truth should, should, should humble us, church, because we know who we are. We know what we've done. But nevertheless, God still loves us. Now listen to this in Psalms 23, verse 1. 
a psalm of David, the Lord, and this is a familiar portion, but I want to pull some things out that shows how much God adores us. A psalm of David, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. Doesn't that sound good tonight? He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. Goodness, isn't that great news? My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. In all these ways, this demonstrates God's love towards us. Now, as we look in verse 1 and 2 there, we see how the Lord, how he leads us, how he provides for us. Why? Because we're his children. He loves us. He cares for us. He leads us into, into peace and provision. He restores us. He's our healer. Can you say amen? God heals us. God restores us. He's our protection. In verse 4 and verse 5, he brings peace with us and others. He brings that, that, that peace in our lives. He anoints us for the work that he asks for us. He anoints you and I. And in verse 6, look at, look at this. In verse 6, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. It'll pursue me. That goodness, that love is chasing after you each and every day. God's love, God's grace, God's beautiful blessings are always chasing after you. It's, he's pursue, pursuing you and I every single day. This gives us a picture of adoration, right? I talked about courtship way back in the day, right? It's, it should be something that we always do, right, in marriage and, and, and love. It's something that we should all do. We understand what it means to pursue, to impress, to love. God's doing that for us a million times over, church. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. Your goodness and unfailing love. The next time you're in a trial, the next time perhaps you're doubting if God loves you, or if God has a plan for you, you have to proclaim the scripture over, over your life that surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. If you're believing God to open a door, if you're believing God for provision, if you're believing God for, for a job, if you're believing God for breakthrough, for healing, whatever it is, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, every day. Not just church days, not just at midweek service, not just on Sundays. Every day from the moment you get up. We have to start believing that church. We have to start living according to that. Man, the things that we go through sometimes, right? We're our own worst critic. Man, we beat ourselves down. Sometimes we, we, we forget these scriptures, these promises that God bestows upon us. We start listening to the wrong voices. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. So God adores you. He loves you. Doesn't matter what you've done, where you've come from. I'm convinced, according to God's word, if there's breath in your lungs tonight, if you could hear the sound of my voice, God has a plan for you. All is not lost. He has a plan. He has a purpose for your life. Stop believing the lie of the enemy. He brought you here tonight to tell you that. He has a plan and a purpose for you. He adores you. He loves you. 
Secondly, the Lord deserves our attention. You see, we give love and respect to many things in this world if we're true, if we're honest with ourselves, right? And many times, things that won't help us and don't help us, things that cause us hurt and pain, perhaps em uh, empty pursuits, things that just benefit us, right? Self-fulfillment. What can I do to make myself feel better, to make myself look better? In the eyes of these folks or this person or that person, self-fulfillment. How about others' approval and favorable opinions? See, so many times we give our attention to those things and we forget about many times the things that God's done for us, where he's brought us from, how good he's been to us. See, most of these things that, that people chase after in this world, and many times what, if we're honest with ourselves, what we may be chasing after are things that don't satisfy our souls. It doesn't. It's a pleasure for just but a moment but it leaves us empty. When you and I build our lives and, and strive to, to just please others and, and what they think about you, that reward may just, it's fleeting. It's just for a moment, but it doesn't fulfill us. God didn't create us to do that. He deserves our attention. He deserves our gratitude, our adoration. See, these things that the world is chasing after, there's such a deception that the devil has placed in the, in the minds of many, being that if they could just achieve this certain dollar amount, if they could just achieve this, this certain amount of fame or influence or, or on, on social media, if you could attain this, this certain amount of followers or, or, or whatever it may be, then I will have arrived. Then I will feel better about myself. But look at 1 John 2.17. The Bible says, in the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. The world with its lust is passing away. And if we're honest with ourselves, we know what this means to us. We, we know how it applies in our lives. Are the things that we're pursuing, that we're adoring, that we're chasing after, is it according to the lust of the flesh? Lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Are we seeking after those things? How can it benefit me? How am I going to look better? How am I going to gain the favorable opinions of these people? And I understand that we have to be a, a light in this dark world, but we're reflections of God's glory, right? It's not our own. It's not our own, our own glory. It's not what's about in here in our own lives, but we're reflecting the goodness of Christ. You know, we look, we go out at night, right? We, we look at a beautiful, we look at the beautiful moonlight, right? And we see it, but, but you know what that is? It's just a reflection of the sun. The, the, the moon is not giving off its own light. It's just reflecting from the sun. And that's, that's what you and I are, church. We're just a reflection. Pats on the back, accolades, all these things, right? According to the flesh, we love, we love, we love to hear it. We love to feel that. But we got to give glory to God because it's him who deserves our attention it's him who deserves the glory in and of ourselves. There's no goodness, but in God's grace. It's by his grace. Now, 1 Peter 2.11, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. The Bible's saying stay away from them. Stay away from these things. 
you know, some might call this type of, of topic and preaching, right, old school or outdated, but if there's worldly desires that, that, that you're chasing after, they, it, the Bible says they wage war against your very soul. There's some wisdom right there. These things many times that we're chasing after, that we're trying to pursue, that benefit just ourselves and are according to selfishness, the Bible says it's waging war against our, our souls. We have to chase after him. We have to adore him, adore his goodness, adore his word, adore Jesus, adore all he has done for us, not ourselves. He deserves our attention. There's so many things in this world that vie for our attention. Can you say amen? So many things. And it's getting worse as time goes on. Can you say amen? Isn't that true? As time goes on, man, there are more and more distractions. We are hard-pressed many times to break, break away and seek a solemn and a place of solitude to spend time with our Lord. I mean, how many of us have done that, right? You, you, you try to just set some time aside to, to meditate on the, the Word of God and in Him, right? But if, if your phone is in, in, in arm's reach, there you are. There we are going after it, right? And we find ourselves just, just being distracted. But what did Jesus do? What example did He give us? When He was there, when He was performing these miracles, He was ministering to multitudes. There are times that He would just disappear just so that He could be with His Father. He could spend time. When's the last time you did that? When's the last time I did that? And I'll tell you what, the days are evil, and as time's going on, it's, it's I don't know, I, I look in my life, and it's, it's, it seems as, as the busiest as it's ever been. And, and I, I have the responsibility, the God-giving blessing, right, of being the husband that he's called me to be, to be the father that he's called me to be, to be the pastor he's called me to be, to be the employee that he's called me to be. I have a nine-to-five job to, 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 to all these things, right? And there are so many things pulling us. And they're, they're good things. They're not things that, that are evil that we're, that we're involved in. But is it affecting your time spent with the Lord? Nothing. And, and this is for all of us, starting from me. Nothing should take the place of our Lord and Savior and all that he's done for us, church. Never, never, never. If it means that, that you and I have to get up earlier, we have to get up earlier. If it means that we have to go to bed a little bit later, we have to go to bed a little bit later. If it, it, whatever it means, we have to have that time and that place in our heart where we can adore the Lord. Because there's always going to be something to do. Man, your schedule is always going to be filled up. Or oh, I have my kids, or I have nothing. These are all good things that God's called us to do, right? But nevertheless... There has to be that time of adoration because that's where life comes from. That's where, that's where our relationship is strengthened and blessed as we have time to adore our Lord and Savior. Listen to this. One in six adults, that's about 16%, one in six adults reads the Bible most days of the week, this stat said. Uh, 20, only 20% of people say they pray daily. And you would think, we would think with all that we're involved in, all that we're a part of, all the wisdom that we need God to be in our life, that we need to have filled in our lives, all these things, that we would read that much more, that we would pray that much more. But this tells us, this statistic tells us that people are just too busy. We're too busy. We're too busy with this. We're too busy with that. And we let it take the place of having that constant adoration with the Lord. 
And what happens, church? We get stressed. We have anxiety. We start to worry about all these things. So much the more reason, church, for us to spend time at the feet of Jesus, just as this immoral woman did. Don't we have a lot to learn from her? Right? It's not the Pharisee that we have to learn from. It's from this immoral woman in this scripture that we can take a lesson from. I looked in an article that listed the top three distractions people have. And what do you guess were on the top three? These are by no means a surprise to anyone. One, social media. Hello? Our phones. Hello? And just media in general. Top three things that distract us. See, if we're not careful, we'll let things like this and many other things fill up our schedule, fill up our day, and rob us of the precious time, the, the precious relationship that we could have with the Lord that he desires us to have. I was looking at this, um, this video reel, and it was a video reel from back in the 80s, and Okay, I was, it was social media I was looking at it on, all right? I'm going to use it here for illustration. It's ironic because it's kind of downing social media when I tell you about what it is, but it was social media that nevertheless, and uh, aside from social media, I probably wouldn't have seen it. So, but it was interesting because it was just a snippet of this video, it was maybe 20 seconds long, of someone in a high school class, but it was like in, back in 1980-something, right, in the 80s. And it was just one of those pages, you know, how great were the 80s, all these things, right? But it just, showed, it just showed they were in a high school room and all the different hairstyles and everything. But as they were panning around to all the students, you know, not surprisingly, there was not a phone in one person's hand, right? There, there, were, there, were, there were just, it was just kids in high school just being kids. And I just think of how we fast forward to 2023, and how life is, has, we seem like we've gotten so distracted with things. Can you say amen? It's a different world we're in. Goodness. And I believe that, that just the excessive amount of social media and what's out there, and, and it has its place. We use it for evangelism. God is glorified in, in, in certain parts of it. I understand that. But there are those that are given just a, a long leash to just spend as many hours a day just flipping through these things. Sometimes, you know, our children are flipping through these things. Our loved ones are flipping through these things. And what result is it going to have? It, it, make, it makes me wonder. And as I was looking at the comments of this little reel, this reel, you know, people were saying like, man, there, there's a, there was a certain maturity that was, that, that you saw in the faces of, of these, these 17, 18-year-olds. It said, it went on to say that other comments were saying like, yeah, no one was really concerned about how many likes they can get. They weren't concerned about that. They were concerned about what was going on in that room with their friends and real relationships, right? And it just, it just made me wonder. There's so much that we can get lost in, so much that we could give our time to. We have to be careful, church. And yes, the tools that God has given us for, for mass media to, to, to be an example, to be a light, we have to use it for his glory, yes, but we can't get lost in it. Don't forget the power of, of a phone call, right? Remember we would pick up the phone? Now it's a text. I'll just text them. I'll text them, right? Has its place, I understand. But a phone call, a personal visit, the personal touch, seeing you face to face.
How many times have we sought to pray and seek God in some quiet time and we've been distracted? Beginning with just the internal distraction, right? When we have to just break through that wall sometimes. I'm just going to stay put and I'm going to just think on the Lord. I'm going to meditate. We have to do it, church. So he deserves our attention. And lastly, as I prepare to close here, this profound scripture, our text, Luke chapter 7, the life of this, the act of this immoral woman, we, we have to see and understand that she gave her all, she gave her best to her Lord and Savior. Her soul loved Jesus. And it was demonstrated, it was proved through the outward. And what this means is sometimes we could proclaim with words our love for Christ, and there's a place for that. We have to be a light verbally. We have to proclaim that. But how is our life reflecting that? Let's look at that for a moment. How is the way you and I spend our time, how does that reflect your adoration? If you were graded on your adoration to Christ based on how you spend your time, based on how I spend my time, what grade would you get if we're honest with ourselves? We all have room to grow. Being at Jesus' feet, man, learning from him, spending time seeking his revelation. Just, just even if we get nothing back, it's a time of just us thanking him because he's already given us enough. Just being at his feet is the place that we'll find fulfillment. We'll find our, our, our healing. We'll find our peace. You've been seeking peace. You've been asking God for peace. Perhaps you just have to, to fight to get at the feet of Jesus. Remember the story of Mary and Martha? One was busy doing the, a good work, right? When Jesus came into their home, she was doing a good work of being hospitable. She was hospitality. That's, that's, that's great. That's something that we should all be. But what did Mary do? She was at the feet of Jesus. Because she understood, this is where I need to be. My schedule can be filled up top to bottom. And there still wouldn't be enough time, but I need to be at the feet of Jesus. I need to hear his words. I need to worship him. I need to thank him for all that he's done for me. It's not about what I get back. And I say that understanding because when, when we're in the presence of God, we're fulfilled. We never walk away empty-handed. God bestows his love, his blessings, his encouragement, his peace, his healing. He bestows all these things upon us as we're at his feet. But, but it's not about what we can get. Adoration is about being at his feet and just, just thanking him. God, thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for your love, for your sacrifice, for how you've loved me when I was a sinner. When I am a sinner, Lord, thank you. See, how would we grade ourselves? In this, it's said of the woman that having been converted from her wicked course of life by his preaching, she came to acknowledge her obligations to him, having no opportunity of doing it in any other way than by washing his feet. So, church, we can never say that I have God, I have nothing to bring to you, I have nothing to give. We all have something to give, we all have a way that we can adore our Lord and Savior, for what he's done for us. It's more than mere words, church. It's a faith and the belief that, dictate, that dictates the life we choose, the decisions we make, the things that we don't do, and the things that we do. Our adoration will dictate those things. 
Now, as we look at, at her life, as we look at what she did, it says that she brought the alabaster box filled with perfume. She didn't come empty-handed. There's always something that you and I can give, church. Something that we can all give. The alabaster box represents giving God our best and our all. This was her first fruit, so to speak. Now, if we remember the story of Cain and Abel, remember what happened, right? Cain was jealous of his brother because God received Abel's offering, but God didn't receive Cain's offering. Why? Because Abel brought of his first fruits. And this is, a, this is a fulfillment and a truth here that is found with this immoral woman. She did the same thing. She brought her first fruits. She brought, brought her best. She knelt at his feet, kneeling in a posture of the body, a posture of our soul, a posture of our spirit. When we kneel, we worship. When we're at his feet, we're quiet so that we could listen to him so that we could adore him. When we worship, we raise our hands as a sign of surrender, right? We bow as a demonstration of our submitting to him. We kneel to honor him. See, there was an outward working of the faith and the gratitude that she had of, of, of her adoration. I know you adore Jesus. I know you love him. I know you're thankful. But how do you show it? In your life, in our day, how do we show it? I know you love Jesus. I know you're grateful to him, but how do you show it? Are you kind to the person next to you because God's been kind to you? If you have anything to, to, to help give to someone because God's blessed you, do, do you do that or do you hold on to it for yourself? How are you adoring the Lord? And lastly, as the worship team makes her way up, she wept and kissed his feet. See, the real, realization of who we are as sinners. The enjoyment we have when we realize that we've been redeemed and we have been redeemed. Can you say amen? Isn't that good news? Man, God has redeemed you. God has forgiven you. God has for, forgotten about all the things that you and I have done. Not because he's a forgetful God, because of his love he has decided to forget. The Bible says that he's taking your sins and he's cast it into the deepest sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. You know what the revelation is here, brother and sister, is that when, when you're seeking God, when you're seeking to do God's will, when you're at the throne of, of God, or you're here, here at the altar perhaps, and all these things are coming up in your mind of, 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 how, you know, of, of what you used to do and, and all these things, and you start to feel bad and ugly about it, that's not the Holy Spirit. It's the enemy. If there's any thought of your past, it should just be to glorify God. God, thank you for delivering me. But if those thoughts of your past are causing you to run the other way away from God, it's the enemy. He loves to remind us of our past. God's forgetting, forgotten about it long ago. Why? Because you asked him. The enemy, man, it's like a record player. He just tries to, he re repeats it to you again and again. And if, we, if we're not careful, we begin to listen to that. And it causes us to walk the other way. What God's saying, come. Let's have a relationship. All I want, he's saying, is to spend time with you. I want to hear from you.
That's what it's going to take. The knowledge that we have of just how much Jesus loves us will affect our heart each and every day. But we have to stop and realize. We have to stop and just think on it. Slow down. There's always something to do. There's always that next thing to to check off your list. But if you find that that you and I have no time to, to adore the Lord and to spend time with Him, then something is out of whack. We have to reprioritize. We need wisdom. Man, we need God's strength for what He's called us to do. We need his anointing. We need his direction. We need his his guidance. And the things that are right before us that he gives us are sometimes because of how busy we are, the hardest things to reach because of all the inner struggle, all the inner busyness, and all, you know, as fast as our minds run each and every day, I got to get this done. I got got this trip coming up. I got to do that. I got to do that. Let's readjust. Let's hit the reset button tonight, church. And you know what this means for you. And the altar is a place where we could get it right. We could come and start and adore him once again. And never forget that he adores us. And that it's him who deserves our attention. And it's to him that we must give our best. Just as this woman did here in our text. Praise God. Amen. Let's bow our heads tonight, church.